I'm reminded of this statement once made by a dear lady that was not only blind, but she was also deaf. Helen Keller made this statement. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. And I don't want to be guilty of having sight, but having no vision. You say, preacher, what's our vision? What's the vision of any local church? What should the vision be? Where should the vision begin? Well, I say to you, first of all, that everything has to start with the Bible. Everything starts with the Bible. Our vision at Faith Free Will Baptist Church starts with Scripture. I, I mentioned it this morning. I'll mention it again. Uh, I, I, I hope I say this often enough where it becomes part of our thinking, our understanding, because I believe it's biblical truth that apart from this book right here, ladies and gentlemen, I have no message to preach. And this book, this book determines and dictates what our direction is. It determines what our vision is. It determines what our values are as a congregation. It determines what we deem important and what we think is not important. It sets the tone for our belief and our behavior and, our be- and everything that we do as a local church and even as individual Christians. We believe that the scripture is the source of, all, of, of, of eternal truth. We believe that God inspired the Bible and that God's given us the Bible, as he says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that it is profitable for us, for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, prepared for every good work. We find our direction in Scripture. So the Bible determines everything about our belief and about our behavior. We, 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 we do hold to the creed that we, we embrace the sola scripture. Only the scripture. Only the Bible. We take our marching orders not from culture but from the Bible. We take our mission and our motive and our direction not from what is fad and not from culture but from the Bible. The Bible sets the course and sets the tone for what we are and what we believe as a local church. So it starts with scripture, but it doesn't, it has to be worked out practically. How was that worked out? So the Bible sets the tone and the Bible determines our mission. It determines our mission. Our mission is where, what, what our task is, what our agenda is. Our purpose, we would say. Bible determines that. Our mission statement is to glorify Jesus by making disciples who make disciples. Glorify Jesus by making disciples who in turn make disciples. Who then make disciples. Who make disciples. Who make disciples. That's what he's called us to do. We see that in Matthew 28 and 18 through 20. We see it in other places in the scripture. The tone of the New Testament is to make disciples. We go, we win, we baptize, we teach. So 
Everything starts with the Bible. The Bible determines our mission. And then the Bible determines our mission. And our mission determines our vision. Our mission given to us in the Bible determines where our uh, vision is and where we're looking. And we do, we go, we win, we baptize, we teach, we send. That's what he's called us to do and commanded us to do. We're still going as a church. We want to get you mobilized. We want to get you going and talking and speaking and sharing. We're to go today. We're to go. And what he means by go is you go and as you're going out, you teach, you witness, you share. I want you to hear me carefully, my dear friend. A church's evangelism strategy shouldn't just be encapsulated in one time a month or one time a week. A church's evangelism strategy is to be every single day by every single believer in that local church. That means tomorrow you're to be a witness and I'm to be a witness. That means today if I go anywhere, I'm supposed to be a witness and you're supposed to be a witness. Yesterday at Pizza Inn, I was supposed to be a witness. Tomorrow at Walmart, you're supposed to be a witness. Tuesday at work, you're supposed to be a witness. You're supposed to be sharing Jesus. I'm supposed to be sharing Jesus. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to be sharing Jesus. That's what evangelism is. Far too often, local churches have just relegated that to a a program. Can I say this to you, friend? I'm for programs. We have programs. We, We have schedules and we have events and things like that. But can I tell you something? The local church wouldn't have to have an evangelism program if God's people would be doing seven days a week what God's called us to do already. And that's to share Jesus. To communicate. The life-changing gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're supposed to be about. So the Bible determines our mission. Our mission determines our vision. Our vision does determine our strategy. You say, no, preacher, what's our strategy? Our strategy simply means that's our programming. That's our activities as a church. That's our overall approach to ministry. How are we attempting to do this? Well, we exalt the Lord. First and foremost, we want to exalt the Lord. Then we want to expound the scripture. We do that systematically. We do that through classes. We do that here from the pulpit. We do that by trying to encourage you to get into your own Bible and walk with God yourself. So we exalt the Lord, we expound the scripture, we evangelize the lost. We try to, we sure want to. We need to quit calling ourselves a local church if we're not evangelizing the lost. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. But it is a group effort, it takes all of us. And friend, I hope you're praying that souls will be saved. I hope you're working and praying and inviting and witnessing and sharing so that souls will be saved. That's the passion of my soul. It grieves me. It grieves me. I'm just being honest with you today. It grieves me that we don't see as many people saved as I believe I know Jesus wants to see saved here. Does that grieve your your heart and grieve your spirit? Does it? Pray about that. Make that a priority in prayer. Oh God, help us to see lost people saved. 
You say, well, there's no more lost people in Goldsboro. <laughs> I beg to differ with you, my dear friend. <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Look on the field. They're white already to harvest. <laughs> but they're not just going to flop in the boat. Right? That's why Jesus said, you go be fishers of men. Now maybe unless it was a flying fish... I don't think I've ever seen a fish fly out of the water and land in the cooler. <laughs> That'd be cool though, wouldn't it? You know what you got to do if you're going to catch some fish? Somebody tell me. You got to go fishing. Right? You got to get your pole, your net or something. Jesus said, I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to go catch men, he said to his disciples. I want you to leave your fishing boats and you go catch souls. Well, you got to go where the souls are. Did you know, I, 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 hey, did you know Jesus never commanded any lost person to go to church? You're like, what? He ne Jesus never commanded a sinner to go to church. Is that true or not? That's true. But he sure commanded the Christians to go after the sinners. You know what CP needs the most? I need to get out of my comfort zone. And I need to go share Christ and make it intentional. So we want to evangelize the lost. We want to equip the believers to grow and to serve. God never wanted a local church just to be a group of baby believers running around. <laughs> we got believers that have been saved for decades, and yet and, and God never intended for a believer to be saved for decades and still act like an immature baby Christian. So we have to grow. God wants us to grow. And we grow by the word. We grow by prayer. We grow, we grow by serving. Did you know that? The most growing Christians in a church are those that are engaged with God one-on-one -on -one and those that are engaged in ministry. That's how we grow. It stretches our spiritual muscles. There's a term that's used by Paul in the epistles, and he talks about us exercising ourselves unto godliness. And it's the same word for gymnasium. We get in the gym and we work out spiritually. And we serve. I'll say this to you, dear precious friend. I'm thankful for every single person here. I'm thankful that God has placed you in our church. But can I say this to you? Did you know that there's something he has for you to do here? There's a place of service. There's a spot. There's a task with your name on it. Thank God for that. We grow by walking with the Lord, by feasting on the word, by engaging in prayer, and by serving in a ministry. Are you serving, sir? Dear sister, are you serving? Some of you precious friends say, well, preacher, I used to serve, but I've quit. Can I encourage you to get back in? Can I encourage you to pick up the plow again? Go to work again? Perhaps someone discouraged you. Perhaps you felt unappreciated.
perhaps the devil just jumped on your back. And Oh, friend, I encourage you to pray about that and let the Holy Spirit direct you and lead you and give you the strength that you need. So we want to exalt the Lord as a church. We want to expound the scripture. We want to evangelize the lost. We want to equip the believers to grow and to serve. And then I'll say this, friend. We want to edify the family. We want to build up the family. That family unit. We believe that the family is the first of the divine institutions that God established. Not the government, not even the local church. God established the family before he established the local church. We want to build the family. We want to strengthen the, ma- the man of the home. We want to strengthen the ladies. We want to strengthen the wife. That husband-wife relationship. We want to strengthen the parents to disciple and to capture the heart of their children. We believe in generational discipleship. And it begins at home. Not even in the church. We believe that the best Breeding ground for genuine spirituality is at your house. And then at the church house. That's where it's supposed to be. And so that's why we do things in our structure, in our church year, to build men and to build the ladies and to build the family. That's why we have marriage retreats. And and that's why we have classes on marriage. And and that's why we have uh, these various growth groups that are trying to help men be men of God and trying to help our women be women of God. Trying to strengthen the home and the family. That's what God has called us to do as a ministry. Can I say this to you, friend? If what we're doing doesn't fit into one of these categories, we don't need to be doing it. We don't do things just to have something else to do as a church. (laughs) I promise you, our goal is not to keep everybody so, 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 so busy. And I know sometimes that happens. Let me give you some goals just so you can help me pray through this. Some goals are cosmetic. I'm not talking about our faces. I'm talking about our facilities, okay, when I say that. Some are financial goals. They include finances. Some are missional goals. Some are institutional goals. Let me give you some short-range goals. Some of these are carryovers from 2018 because we didn't accomplish these in 2018. But they're still goals that are heavy upon my heart and mind. One of the things that we mentioned last year that, praise the Lord, we were able to do was the parking lot repair, and which, by the way, looks phenomenal, I think. Praise the Lord for that. So we put a check mark by that. We are, one of the things that are uh, on our hearts is to be more intentional and more effective at our Christmas outreach. Now, for years, we used in our, our living Christmas tree as a, as an outreach around Christmas time to get lost people here. But here's one of the things that we've discovered over the last five to ten years is that lost people are not coming to our, they're not lost people, unsaved people are not coming to our Christmas program. They're not. Some are, but very few do. So we're not seeing lost people. We're not seeing people saved or evangelized through our, our Christmas program. Not compared to what it was 20, 25 years ago. 
You say, well, who's coming to our Christmas program, preacher? It seems that the crowds are larger that night, and that's true. Most of the ones coming for our Christmas program are coming from other churches, and they're already saved. Okay? And that's fine. That's okay. But I believe the Lord wants us to be praying about something we can do, perhaps, utilizing the Christmas season that can get some lost people here so they can truly so we can even more effectively share the gospel with lost people. So be praying about that with us. I'd love for us to 2019 average 750 on Sunday morning in attendance. I'd love for us to average 575 in Sunday school. I'd love for us to average 400 on Sunday night. I'd love for us to average 450 on Wednesday night. You'd say, preacher, well, didn't we used to? Yeah, we used to. We used to run 250 on buses, too, but we don't anymore. We used to have 150 in Spanish church, but we don't anymore. Okay, this is where we are. Okay, I'm being realistic with you today. I want you to join me that we can, in prayer, that we can average these. You say, are you all about numbers, preacher? No, sir, I'm not. But numbers do represent souls. And it does represent a goal. And so that's what we're praying for. I'd love to see us have a hundred conversions. hundred salvation decisions this year as a church. I'd love to see us baptize 50 people this year. That's just about one every, or 52, that's one every week. That'd be phenomenal. You say, well, I know churches that baptize 2,000 every year. Well, praise the Lord. We're not there yet. But I'm hoping we can one day. But let's start where we are. So I'm praying for 50 baptisms. I'm praying that we'll enroll 110, even more than that, in our preschool. And we came close this year at 103. That's where we are right now. We came close in our academy. Last year our goal was to enroll 280 in our K-5 through 12th grade. And we're very close to that now. And I'd love uh, as that. And I, I want you to pray about that with I'd love to see 50 individuals in a discipleship relationship in our D3 ministry this year. Last year we had a goal of sending three different groups of lay people on short-term mission trips. And thank the Lord we were able to do that. I'm praying for that this year. I'm praying that this year we'll be able to add three new deacons. I'm praying that we'll be able to develop a capital campaign to reduce our $2 million indebtedness on the Patrick Ministry Center. Let me give you some mid-range goals. That was just for this year. But now these goals are for the next two to five years. I want to say thank the Lord we were able to expand and almost done. We're about two months away maybe, maybe a little bit longer from being complete with our preschool expansion. We praise the Lord for that. That was a goal last year at this time. And the Lord is helping us do that. So thank God for that. I'd love for us to have in the next two to five years a new improved digital sign for the church and school. I'd love for us to be able to get new bleachers for the gymnasium, lights for our ball field. I'd love to see, and we're very close with both of our faith missions, home missionaries, Logan Wolf and Daniel Mann. I'd love to see one of our faith missions, home missionaries reach self-supporting status and both of them are getting very close to that so we thank God for that and by the way those two men thank the Lord and other missionaries that we support are doing a wonderful, wonderful job praise the Lord our church gets to partner with these individuals 
I'd love for us to begin multiple discipleship groups called D groups. I'd love for us to see in the next two to five years replace the flooring in the ministry center. I'd love to see us expand and update both the west and the east end foyers. I'd love for us to see in the next two to five years, see us add an elevator uh, in this building as you enter in from the east foyer right here where Top Town is, an elevator that goes straight up and as was originally drawn decades ago for this building, put an elevator right here so individuals with certain handicaps can be able to access the second floor without having to go all the way around to the ministry center to do so. I'd love to expand our kid church ministry. I would love to begin, and we mentioned this last year, a ministry, begin a ministry to those with special needs in their families. We do have some special needs families coming to our church. But ladies and gentlemen, did you know that nine out of every ten special needs families are unchurched? They're unchurched. Nine out of every ten, 90% of individuals with children that have special needs don't go to church anywhere. They live all around us here in Goldsboro and Wayne County and other surrounding cities and towns and counties. But most churches don't even, either we feel we're not equipped or we don't have what it takes to be able to minister to these special needs. Well, friend, I'm going to tell you something. It's high time that the church of Jesus get passionate about reaching every segment of our society. Can I get an amen about that? There's some of you specially trained. You've gone to school. You're specially trained. You're sitting in our pews, a part of our church, and you know how to effectively minister with children with special needs. I'd love to see us begin and facilitate a ministry that can minister to those kids and their families. As we mentioned last year, I'd love to start a ministry to the hearing impaired. There are 300 hearing impaired people in Wayne County that need sign language interpretation. And most churches I know don't have that provision in their services. Let me give you some long range goals. This is 5 to 15 years. I love to see us in that time frame 5 to 15 years average 1,000 in attendance. I love to see us start an addiction recovery ministry. Oh, my dear friend, our city, our county is filled with individuals that are struggling with addictions of every kind. I'd love to see us reach 350 in FCA enrollment. I'd love to see us be debt-free, completely debt-free as a church in 10 years. I'd love to see us plant five more churches in the next 15 years. By the way, missions agencies aren't supposed to plant churches. Local churches are supposed to plant local churches. Our church is to be a part of planting churches. We can't relinquish that and thank God for missions agencies. But we can't just say, well, that missions agency is going to take care of that. Oh, friend, God has called our local church to plant churches. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's supposed to be in our thinking, our praying, our psyche, our DNA as a local church. Where's the next church that Jesus wants faith church to plant? It's a great question. I'd love to see us plant five more in 15 years. I'm praying that several of our families in this room right now, that God will call you out to go and be a part of a church planting team 
over the next 5 to 15 years. Places like San Francisco and Oakland, California, that's the number one most unchurched place in America. Second, Boston. Three, Las Vegas. Number four, Seattle, Washington. Number four, most unchurched place in America. Number five, Phoenix, Arizona. Number five, most unchurched place in America. And six is New York City. You know, I'll tell you what, bless God, I ain't going to New York. Hey, 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 you can go boycott with your funds. That's fine. Somebody needs to preach the gospel there. Can I get an amen? We, we, hey, hey, we can't sit on the sidelines anymore. Instead of cursing and condemning the darkness, let's go punch holes in the darkness. of all unreached people who have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ, they live in ten nations of the earth. It's in a region in the world called the 1040 window. India, Pakistan, China, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Japan, Iran, Turkey, Thailand, and Nigeria. Last time I checked, we're not sending too many missionaries to those places. And God raises up some of us and our children and our grandchildren to go to places we've never been able to go and to do things we've never seen done and to be a part building God's kingdom in every corner of this globe. Will you join me in that prayer? Say amen if you will. You see, a dream without a plan is just an illusion. It's a facade. We will not reach these goals without corporate commitment, corporate faithfulness, corporate prayer, corporate sacrifice. So what's in the immediate future and immediate horizon of Faith Church? Well, there's our marriage retreat weekend. That's next week, Friday and Saturday at the retreat. And then, listen, I'm telling you, please, 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 please don't miss next Sunday morning, Sunday night. If you care about your family and strengthening your home, don't miss next Sunday morning, next Sunday night. Next Sunday night's at 5 o'clock. Now, I'm bringing two messages by the Lord from the Word that He's burning in my heart next Sunday morning, next Sunday night about the home and the family. And I want you to be here to receive it and... Together, let's go live it out. Can I get an amen right there? March 24th, we're having missionary Chad Kibbett. I don't know of a more contagious soul winner than Chad Kibbett, and I mean that. I want you to meet him. I want him to preach and share and to help us and bless us. And then Easter at Faith, Easter weekend, April 20th on Saturday and 21st on Sunday, we're incorporating... This theme, invite your one, and we'll share more about that in two weeks. Invite your one. Hey, did you know we're 12 weeks away? 12 weeks away from Easter, and I want you to begin now even thinking about, Lord, who is it that you want me to invite? Our parent-child dedication on May the 5th, excited about that. Our VBS in July, 
our awesome August with Stephen Cox and Jonathan Blankenship and Ken Cash and Terry Hines. These men, these men of God, I'm telling you, they will bless us and help us as a church family in our summer revival there in August. And I want you to be here. Don't miss a Wednesday. I'm excited about our Serving Ascenders Churchwide Missions Conference, September the 7th through the 10th. We did this a few years ago. We're bringing all of our faith missions missionaries home, and we're gonna be, they're going to be here for that conference. We're excited about that and helping us as a local church partner with them in sending them to the nations. Our 58th annual anniversary Sunday, October the 20th, I've asked Brother Zach Henson to come and he's going to sing and he's going to preach. Uh, I don't know. I, I know Zach is known as a tremendous singer and he is, but Zach is equally a, as tremendous a preacher and God is using him in Tulsa, Oklahoma and he's going to be here with us that day and I don't want you to miss it. Our trunk or treat on October the 30th on that Wednesday. So many things, other things that are going on that I believe Jesus wants us to be a part of. Vance Havner made this statement. Listen carefully. Lean in now. Listen. He said, the vision must be followed by the venture. Think about that. In other words, it's not sufficient just to talk about what you want to do. You got to get up and do something. He said, it is not enough to stare Up the stairs. (laughs) We must step up the stairs in order to see it done. So I ask you a question this morning. What kind of church would my church be if everyone in my church was just like me? You say, what does a growing church look like, preacher? It's a great question. I close with this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods. They parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord... The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. For a church to grow, it must have four distinguishing characteristics. Number one, it requires faithful people. Faithful. Verse 42 says, they continued... They weren't in and out, hot and cold, up and down, hit and miss. They continued. They didn't stay for a week and then bail out. They were faithful. Faithful. Are you faithful? Let's put it in the now. Let's put it in the future. Will you be faithful? 
Will you decide that, hey, this is where Jesus has called me as a local church. He wants me to be here. At fa- and I'm telling you, I'm going to be faithful. They continued. It requires faithful people. It also requires, number two, engaged people. They continued steadfastly. That's a very interesting word. It literally means to be earnest. To be earnest towards something. To be constantly diligent. Steadfast. Engaged. I'm locked in. I'm engaged. I'm not sitting on the sideline. I'm not taking the position of a critic and criticizing everything that goes on and happens. No, 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 no. I'm engaged. I'm a part of it. I'm serving. I'm doing something. I'm contributing. I'm engaged. Will you be engaged? Will you be faithful? Number three, it requires healthy people. I'm not talking about physical health. I'm talking about spiritual health. Listen to what it says. It says they continued steadfastly where? In the apostles' doctrine. That's doctrinally. That's scripturally. And in fellowship. So they were grounded in the word. They were connected with one another. And in breaking of bread. They had the right spiritual connection and the right relational connection. They were spiritually healthy and relationally healthy. Oh, please hear me, my dear friend. I am so burdened and I really believe and I'm convinced that far more than Jesus is concerned about the size of a congregation. He is concerned about the spiritual health of a congregation. Because if something is is healthy, it's going to grow like God wants it to grow. Just because it's big doesn't mean that it's healthy. God wants our church to be healthy. Are we? Are you? Because we're not going to have a healthy church if we don't have spiritually healthy Christians that are a part of it. You can't get a spiritually mature church when you don't have spiritually mature people. Can I get an amen right there? And there's only one way I know to help people get spiritually mature. Get them grounded in the word, engaged in the word, and serving and in right relationally with one another. Church size doesn't necessarily determine church health. And if a church is healthy, it'll increase in all the ways that Jesus wants it to. And then the final truth is, a growing church is made up of praying people. Praying people. They continued steadfastly in prayer, the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I'm convinced one of the things that he wants faith church to be more engaged and more intentional about is intercession and prayer. That starts with my own private life and it bleeds over into us as a congregation. You see, God never intended for the church just to be a gathering place. 
I'm afraid on Sunday mornings, our church has become just that. For a lot of people, it's just a place to gather. That's not its primary function, though. See, this is to be a growing place. This is to be a unified place. This is to be a going place. This is to be a sending place. This is to be a launching place. This is to be a praying place. But the question is, will you help make it so? So back to the original question. What kind of church would faith church be? every church member here is just like me just like me